Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. In every episode, we we try and break it down like this, uh, a brief episode overview coming up shortly, followed by a three-word episode review. Then we analyze what happens on the pitch for this particular episode, not much. What happens off the pitch, uh, the workplace comedy and drama, and the main theme of the episode is broken down accordingly. We follow this all with a little bit of pub trivia, which are just notes and nuances that I pick up in my rewatches, and crown a winner, winner football dinner of the episode to prove who had the best episode, Brandon. So today we're covering season two, episode nine, Beard After Hours. The last time that we were together, we recapped season two, episode eight, Man City, a topsy-turvy, emotionally charged episode where Ted shares that he's been having panic attacks right before the team loses to Man City in spectacular fashion. Episode nine, Beard After Hours, is a comedic detour from the intense drama of Man City And it begins our final phase of season two. For those who might not know, this episode is the second of two additional episodes that Apple TV asked for when the season was originally supposed to have only 10 episodes. So I think we can all agree that the more lasso, the better in our lives. So even if this wasn't your favorite episode, consider it a bonus along with the Christmas episode. It's a trippy, fun episode that gives us a POV of Beard's life outside of football and chess. That's right. And if you want to spend time after hours with us uh, at Pod Underdogs on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, I'd love to hear your reaction to this episode in particular. I would encourage you to rewatch it because I actually think it comes off better than maybe when you saw it live and you were expecting, you know, more Tedisms and stuff like that. This is a, a really kind of a love letter to uh, to Coach Beard. It's cool. All right. Well, let's dive in. The best way to start any episode with the three word episode review. Here we go. Um, so to kick it off, we'll do the three word episode reviews to, uh, to kind of get a, a temp check of where we're at and then we'll, we'll jump into the main theme. So Nick, your three word episode review tripping on beard, uh, the, the tripping being the, the, uh, timely, uh, moment for this because it was kind of a trippy, surreal episode that we watched. Yeah. I, I had some guesses at what it's going to be like, and it was actually, I think a very different from what I was expecting actually. Um, less psychedelics, just to be really honest, than I expected. Uh, but I put an unexpected turn because of that. Because again, it was like every time he took a turn, you're like, I'm sorry, what? Where are we? What are we doing? <laughs> so an unexpected turn. Dan, what about you? I went with Jones evokes Scorsese. There's a lot of uh, direct comparisons to a director, Sam Jones, um, makes a lot of comparisons to Martin Scorsese's After Hours in this episode and draws a lot from it. So. That's kind of what we got in this episode was a opportunity to try to pay homage to a piece of film history. Well, it's not it's not the first time they've done that this season, right? No. I think there have been <laughs> some pretty all. overt references to other uh, classic let's, movies. Let's look and at shows. the Christmas episode, which yeah. you know jammed about fifteen hundred in there. <laughs> but it was kind of a cool, you know, like like Brandon said in the intro, it's kind of a cool, different kind of episode that takes you away from all of the mounting drama that you felt right after man city and into a kind of a just a quick detour before you get back to the drama well they call them they call them capsule episodes like for those who aren't aware or don't maybe watch a lot of 
I'm listening, Dan. I'm, I'm right talking here. talking Brandon Busby in particular, <laughs> but you also might be the beneficiary of that information. It says the episodes are really to be focused on a singular character and really exists a little out of the typical story ecosystem, which is why you get some of the more odd type of trappings in this episode that would not necessarily take place in a traditional episode of Ted Lasso. I actually think you could, and we'll get into this maybe, you could actually not watch this episode and still advance in the story without a lot of issues. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's also, you know, kind of what we talked about early on in this in this run of podcasts that we're doing is the more you watch it, the more it's clear that there are kind of three parts to this season, right? First four episodes, second four episodes, and then the last four episodes. And this one was definitely the weird kickoff to the final phase and so i'm i'm excited to see kind of how this turned out and and where it's gonna go well we definitely uh have the how we broke this one down was the main thing being all about beard obviously as, as we've just discussed but then kind of three chapters or three acts if you may and so that's how we're gonna break this one down because again usually we do on the pitch off the pitch nah, none <laughs> of that okay it's a weird one to write <laughs> one i don't was, know yeah, no, it's very different. So in case you're you're wondering why we're not going about it that way, it's because this this deserved its own ap- approach, obviously. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was a weird place. He seemed like he was in a dark spot, um, you know, heading into this one. So he seemed to be very upset with the way the Man City game went. Didn't want to do the normal Ted thing. Um, and Ted, you know, because of his, his son had duties that he couldn't actually go do the beard thing, which it sounds like has probably happened as well. So that's why as we kind of left, it seemed like he was in a dark spot in the sense of he was really frustrated at how the team performed, but then he almost seemed like Ted come with me, come do my thing. He's like, nah, I can't. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm, 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 I don't know if I would say abandoned, but you know, he definitely had to go about it on his own. So well, we always, we always see them drinking together, right? whether it's at the pub or whatever. And so, yeah, it was it was kind of like a somber, like, all right, you know, I guess I'll check you later type of moment. Yeah. So the the story starts with Beard's perspective of leaving Ted after Lost Man City, like we said, and after a, a tough train ride home where Blue Moon, Man City's <laughs> song, is being sung everywhere, Beard gets home and turns on the TV only to have a trippy experience where the postmats coverage is targeting him personally. Good old Gary Lineker and Thierry Henry on BBC's Match of the Day. I have, a, Colin, I have a, a, tr- a trivia question later on that references their show. So stay tuned for that. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So like I said, and, and so like for those of us that watch soccer regularly, so the good news, my girlfriend is caught up. She's in. All right. She went from being completely out, <laughs> not interested to all the way caught up and in. And I, I'm, a, I'm like, he's real. Yeah. Ian Wright, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. He's real. Uh, Gary Lineker, Thierry Henry. Yeah. yeah they're real. Uh, they're big names. Um, so again, trying to like draw, connect these real world people to the, to the show, which, which is good. So, um, yeah, finally gets home, shitty trainer at home, Dan making faces at kids. Like I was really confused. I was like, is he on a train back to Manchester? I was really confused at first where the hell he was going. Well, I mean, you think about this, people are going to have to depart the area around Wembley because this is a non- it, it, it's not either team's ground, right? It's not Richmond's home. It's not Manchester City's home. And so, like, that's for the non-footballing fan who's into Ted Lasso. Like, this game happens at a neutral ground. And so Manchester City, two and a half hours north of London, which, you know, again, London is the home to AFC Richmond. Logistically, 
they would be taking a train to then get on another train to go very, very far away. We see them on the tube kind of going through actual London, as it were, not necessarily getting kind of on a hopping a train north. And, you know, I think in general, I mean, we've been on that type of train before. We've been on that Mm -hmm. walk before, Nick, in London, where unfortunately your team has lost. And now you have to deal with opposition supporters who are just having a laugh at your expense because that is just what happens with the cruelty that is football. That is the culture. You know, when you win, everything is sunshine and rainbows. And when you lose, it it feels like everybody is crashing down on you uh, looking to... Uh, as our friends across the pond say, take the piss. So, uh, yeah, totally agree with that. All right. So, gets home, super unsatisfied, doesn't like it. Off we go, right? He's like, oh, I'm not going to sit here and take this. I got to get out of this weird experience. Goes to a very comfortable place, right? Uh, heads to, to May's pub, meets her there. Uh, you know, she just can't bite her tongue. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, 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 we won't talk football gives him his pint comes back what the hell were you thinking <laughs> and then he's just like all right i gotta go away uh sits down uh with three of the uh the bar guys that are always there the three fans jeremy baz and paul um and again it's the same thing right nick they go he goes uh we can talk about anything you want except football and they're like the meeting of life what's ted like this i mean uh it, it's pretty funny kind of the the questions they fired off right away hours and beers later i mean the whole table's full with empty glasses by the time it closes and you could tell that they've had their their preamble they're ready to get into the rest of the night yeah it didn't jump back in dan when he's like talking about the meaning of life <laughs> or if it's assimilation oh uh, it's it's the type of thing when Anyone who has maybe gone on, you know, whether it's a long conversation, many beverages in, you know, you're, you know, you, you just get to a point where you stop talking about the sensical and the logical and you get into some really ephemeral stuff there. And that's where we see Beard, who is always reading and would have that type of mind, would have that individual characteristic where he is looking for the deeper meaning looking into the beyond and has i think the start of a a journey after kind of getting out some of the the casual or the normal conversations that you would have in this type of setting all right and then as it always happens last call bar time and they uh are left i think like many of us can relate to not wanting the night to end, but continue with very limited options, which I was kind of surprised. I'm like, London, I'm sure there's plenty of places. But uh, the only one that these guys know about is Bones and Honey, a very exclusive and hard-to-get-into nightclub. So they ended up getting some ridiculous clothing <laughs> uh, from a lost-and-found box that May has. Uh, get dressed up, look pretty good, you know, like at a glance, maybe not if you look too closely. Um, and then uh, they end up, I don't know, pulling a quick one at the hostess stand when they get in their neck. You know, they don't want to go because someone very exclusive hasn't get in, which I read ahead in the script. I won't ruin mm-hmm. for anybody. Uh, but they know it's exclusive. They don't know how to get in. But Beer's like, I got it, guys. Just come with me. Like, I got the reins. And he, he takes the lead when they get there. It is a it's a classic drunk confidence type of move right where you think that you're just miles ahead of everybody else we're we're getting into this club you know i have this weird plan we're going to tell the hostess that our apartment's on fire (laughs) and then she's going to leave and we're going to sneak in and and it was you know it was kind of cool when they get down there you know like the three guys are like pretty hesitant they're like we man we don't belong here and beard's like 
no, cut that shit out. We belong here. You guys want some overpriced beers? And they're like, no. Do you want some overpriced beers that I'm going to pay for? We're in. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in. And, and then he does the thing that has been kind of a consistent lassoism, which is he tells the guys to go strut, like do their thing, feel good a little bit, you know, which is, I don't know. It's just one of those weird through lines, Dan, that happens in the show where it's like, oh, yeah, there's that thing again. Well, then you also get him passing himself off as a professor and <sighs> so retired. good and so the good. student and his students that are with him which is a bit of a hard sell but you know what again we talk about the confidence play that one is solely down to having a little bit of knowledge because a little knowledge will make you dangerous and the confidence to pull off the the sham, the lie, the tomfoolery, the wool being pulled over the eyes. And again, everybody's had some libations, so maybe people are a little less incisive in the way that they're asking, the way that they're probing, the way they're trying to prove someone wrong. They're not wanting to prove them wrong initially. They're wanting to prove them right. That's what's happening. Right, right. So the retired Oxford professor from Ireland. What? Uh, by the way, this is his best bit of acting in the show. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> and it, like... As a person who has once studied at Oxford, uh, both of those colleges are actually real. So enjoy that. Oh, for sure. I wouldn't have doubted it with with this group and what they're doing. Um, so yeah, so he gets in. They end up playing some pool. Uh, his eye kind of gets caught, and he's like, hey, I'll be right back. Ends up finding himself in a very weird part of this nightclub and ends up going into this room with a few TVs but it's like this trippy display of colors and he kind of sits down, ends up ripping his pants and that's where it all kind of falls apart. Well, he gets booted out, but lo and behold, the woman that he was chasing is right outside. They have some banter. And then as one does, she offers to mend his pants. If that doesn't... If, Tro trousers, I think they probably call it. If, if that doesn't happen to you <laughs> but, once or a million times, I don't know what you're doing in life, guys. I mean, it's it's probably, what, three in the morning at this point? Has to be. Yeah. So, yeah. So he gets bounced. Uh, but, we, but I guess before that, we see, like, a pretty violent reaction from him, too. Like, he's, like, really upset. And, like, he, like, you know, slams his hand on a thing, tells a bouncer about their, you know, shitty, fake, faux <laughs> coffee table thing. And... Uh, but like he, you can start to see like he's he's like really upset at the situation he's found himself in. I think he like found a little bit of time where he's staring at those TVs and had some self reflection. It just seemed like he really wasn't happy, it, which is kind of a few different things that his personal situation and and that's what's now led to him getting getting bounced out of there quite literally. Um, but he was very kindly picked up and taken to this woman's nice little London loft, Dan and. And off they kind of have this conversation again, more banter, right? It's like, she's like, take off your pants. It's like, you don't tell me what to do <laughs> or you're not the boss of me, whatever it is. And then next thing you know, uh, he's looking at, she's got this rack of pants and he's like, what do you get those? He's like, I keep a pair of <laughs> pants from people. My lovers. And she goes, these, yeah, well, she, these will fit you, right? And they are just wild. <laughs> and the guy's dead. It's a real interesting barter system going on there. You know, it's a, a pants uh, exchange. You know, I think a couple of things have happened up to this point, though, that you're you're seeing reoccurring patterns and themes that, you know, Beard is continuing to run, right? Like the keys continually dropping out of the pocket and someone having to remind him because he doesn't want to go back home. He doesn't want to be alone. He's willing to push beyond last call pushed to the absurdity of getting into a place that he you know most people 
you go to the next place, you find out you can't go in, maybe you call it a night. You don't want to put the effort in to get to the next point, but he does it anyway. You know, now he's willing to go with someone he doesn't know back to their place to get his pants mended and take them off and put on into somebody else's pants to continue having a conversation because he doesn't want to go home. Like, this is all kind of tying into the pattern, Nick, of he's running away into more and more absurd situations. It's kind of like a, a reverse, like, Russian nesting doll where he started with the small problem and it's being done in reverse and each one is a bigger problem in a more absurd situation he's finding himself in. Yeah, I mean, and one thing I'd mention is that the the reoccurrence of the commentary, right, is kind of a hallucination. The commentary from Gary Lineker and Thierry Henry where they're like consistently uh, sharing his psyche and his psyche's details. And at one point, you know, it gets pretty dark where they're like, I wonder if he wants to be around anymore. And you're like, oh shit, like this. So, so you understand that he has issues now. Like, this is not just the stoic, you know, supportive character that Ted Lasso relies on to be not only his best friend, but his assistant coach and everything in between. This is a guy who has problems. And and you're seeing him kind of live in living color right here with some trippy side effects uh, on top of it. So, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a bit of the the through line in the episode that, that we wanted to call out is, like, both of those things manifest themselves into like Dan said bigger and bigger and bigger problems until the end yeah no it's a really great shout and a good good reminder um so yeah so we're in the apartment I don't even do we even know what her name was at the end of the day okay yeah I, I didn't think so um so you know as they're just getting ready she's just starting to uh you know sit down at the at the um you know sewing machine whatever uh, her fiance shows up and she very flippantly says, you can answer it. I'm like, wait, what? And so there's this weird thing between two guys. He's in her apartment, her phone. I would be quite confused and upset if I was the father of their soon to be child and, you know, fiance. And so long story short, beard's gone. Right. By the way, th- this escalated from, oh, don't worry about it. He's harmless to, hey, you should go. No, actually, you know, you definitely need to physically leave. Uh, and I like how you write this, Nick. A born identity style chase ensues. This is Beard jumped from a building in the weave and weaved his way into an alley. Uh, and he finally thought he got away. This was like, can we, can we talk about the jump? The jump's like six stories. Like, that's not a small jump. He's on the roof of this building. I, he's I mean, a, he's, he's also a man of, of, of word. He's kind of an intellectual individual. You would almost imagine, though, that he would be willing to try to negotiate in that situation before making the jump. And again, it's pushing him a little outside of, I think, the he we he's shown himself to be a bizarre individual and willing to go to an extreme. I mean, we t- just talked about how he was high on shrooms in a prior mm-hmm. episode during a match. Like, so it does, I think, in, in my mind, mesh with his character fine enough. But again, like... Eh, maybe you don't make the jump. I wouldn't make the jump. I'd be like, let's let's start talking about this, right? Like, maybe let's not jump off a building. That's a big dude. Coach was not trying to catch those hands. Is is what is what that was? <laughs> no, I mean that that was a, a huge man in a medium shirt. Coach is it, pretty uh, tall though. He's got he's got some he's got some range. 
Okay, well, hey, you're, you're, we're getting there, right? Because we got to see what kind of range he had. And Dan, I think after that one, uh, you might know why he he risked jumping <laughs> what he did. Uh, so, yeah, so he's out, right? No keys, no phone, no wallet, trying to figure out how in a city does he I don't, get away home or, you know, kind of call his buddies or whatever it may be. And, you know, he tries to talk his way into the hotel. They're like, no shot funny little exchange about you know hacking this guy's phone and like stealing his identity and something about his mom's involved and you're like you know what actually that's that's probably believable in these days <laughs> the poor guy's working overnight at a, at a service industry in a hotel so yeah um he's probably just sitting there reading articles all night on his shift and and getting himself into some deep holes but then sadly uh it's like an underground alley right and sure shit James Tart, Jamie's dad and his two idiot friends are there. Um, and it doesn't go well. He tries to run again. Dan, he's a runner. He's a track star. No TikTok? Okay. Um, no. And uh, ends up with a dead end. He can't get out. And get and guess who's back to narrate? Well, uh, our, our, our fine friends uh, of Terry and, and Gary are willing to jump in and offer a little extra commentary as uh, one coach beard takes a little bit of a uh, you know a beat down as it were and mm. uh, gets the stuff and knocked out of him a little bit i mean that's just kind of how it is nick you know you're the person who throws him from the room you're getting the comeuppance in that moment yeah it's it, you know you you have to just accept the, you know, the beyond belief aspect of this right um but you know my favorite part of the whole fight was when he when he's clearly been beat up and he stands up and he's like all right, fellas, let's call this a draw. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, that's a really good one. Um, it's a good line and and obviously, you know, the the commentary that goes alongside of it um is oh, I think Beard wanted to get beat up tonight. That's why he's here. And you're like, "Oh, shit. Okay, so there's a little bit of self-loathing there. There's, you know, something else happening on top of this." Yeah, I and again, I obviously scripted, but you're like, "I bet he could have not gotten one or two, you know, maybe but it just was your classic three on one. James finds a, a metal a lead pipe, um, but out of nowhere, right out of nowhere, the fiance rolls in, beats some ass, <laughs> and then Coach Beard thinks he's about to get shot in the face. Yep. But instead of pulling out a gun, he pulled out his phone and wallet, Nick. Yeah, th- this was in the middle of this like crazy trippy episode. This was like a really nice part of it which is like you know the show does a lot of zigging when you want to zag and you think that oh man what's gonna happen to beard here is he gonna die like what's happening and of course this guy's ends up just being a big old teddy bear right and they have a kind of a fun conversation on the way out where he's like yeah i get i get really jealous and i'm working on it and all this kind of stuff and you know my favorite part of the whole exchange is like he he gives him his phone and wallet and then gives him his keys last and like holds them up. Like you forgot these again, you know, this is another kind of thing that's happened. And then he leaves Dan on a little scooter. <laughs> it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, like a razor. Well, you know, again, he's, uh, he's trying to be very frugal considering <laughs> that he's got a trial on the way. So, I mean, just, you know, he's making really positive decisions here from a financial standpoint. Dan's done his taxes. So he knows we're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, look, I, I mean, I think that you get to a scenario, though, where you're like, okay, he's got money, he's got keys, he's got everything he needs to get back home. 
and then like uh he can't get back in so yeah and and as the guy runs away he does say you be lucky yeah which again is is probably some foreshadowing so yeah so now beard but he got those messages from from jane mm-hmm. right he, oh, yeah, he yeah, realized true. he has 53 messages and she said it back to him that she loves him and that you know she's gonna be at church at night and all this stuff and she just wants him to be there and of course he feels like the asshole because he's been trying to drink and avoid her all night because he's unhappy with everything but now he finally gets what he wants but then again phone's dead just he well, can't and, get back to her and tra- hold up apple's gonna let them show a phone powering down <laughs> that the I was one percent that too. is not the strongest percent on a phone that is ridiculous green bubbles right <laughs> oh yeah you're right um that was not iMessage. so there's a theory about the show that only good guys use iphones on the show so but by by and you're going deep into this reddit like theory hole man no i mean it, it kind of checks out <laughs> but by proxy it means that jane is not a good guy right if if she had green bubbles and True. So yeah, Apple's super strict on product placement. So it's it's kind of an interesting play. But one of the things I should have mentioned earlier in the script that I totally forgot is that Beard confides in May at the pub uh, that he told Jane that he loved her and that she mm-hmm. didn't respond back. And so it sent him, I think, into an even big, bigger depression hole because he's trying to figure out what the hell to do. So yeah. important context there, yeah. So right, so like, but like Beard gets to you know, so he got these messages. So he's excited. Phone dies. And now he's back to being in the dumps, right? Goes home. I don't know if it's not his keys. I don't know if it's not his apartment. What's going on? The key snaps in the lock. So now he's really pissed. And that starts to rain. And now he has to, like, he can't go into his home. He has to go find shelter somewhere else. And then, you know, this is, uh, you know, the third the third kind of part here where um he he passes a church as he's looking for shelter, walks in just to f- get some respite, and all of a sudden has a conversation with the Almighty One. Again, a very beard conversation. Hey, this is whatever, son. <laughs> you remember me? Of course you do. Anyways, Jane's this girl, no woman. You know, just like a very beard conversation. Um, and it was just very interesting. But then all of a sudden, right? He, 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 you know, after confessing his love for her and all these things, starts to hear the little bit of a beat, right? Starts to get, get a little confused and walks around a little bit. And I think, doesn't he see, I don't, and then he finds that, some neon lights, It's that right? neon cross that she had texted yeah. him earlier. Yep. So he starts to put two and two together a little bit. Exactly. And so he goes down and sees the club and the classic club songs on, right? And uh, right on the cue with the beat, he starts dancing. Just he's just kind of giving up. He just starts dancing, and then uh, sure enough, there's Jane. Uh, in, in the midst of this, too, uh, someone hands him a hula hoop to go hula hoop because that's a part of this as well. Jane. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she does. I thought it was, it was someone else when he was up there hula hooping. And it was weird. You're like, what the fuck? You just like <laughs> saw each other for the first time after like confessing that you love each other. And you're like, hey, prove it with this hula hoop. And he does. And he, he did. He fucking hey, rocked it. Hips, hips don't lie. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, it, it is a, you know, it's a circular object. 
much like a ring is. Rings sometimes okay. are a profession right. of love. I mean, just, you know, like, look, all right, all right, there's, there's a right. lot of symbolism in this show, man. Like, you're, you're pew-pewing a little bit here, but, I mean, just, you know, they they have embraced, you know, that they are, you know, connected in a, in a deeper way. So, so she proposed to him then, Dad? Is that what you're saying? They're both very modern individuals, and uh, we don't need to <laughs> label anything on their behalf. All right. Well, look, I mean, and then you're just kind of waiting for it to seal the deal, right? And then they do. Then they start dancing and kind of have their embrace. Um, and and that's that's really where it kind of ends. So it, it does end on a really strong high for Coach Beer. But, I mean, Nick, you have your final verdict here that I really don't want to steal the thunder here. It, I mean, it's kind of what we mentioned earlier, though. Like, this – this episode is about getting to know him better because in every in every episode this season, we've uncovered something about the uh, secondary characters that are in the show, whether it be Roy or Keeley or Jamie or any of these guys or, or Dr. Fieldstone or Rebecca or anyone, right? And we never really have gotten to Beard that much. We know that he's a loyal guy. We know that he's the perfect assistant coach and best friend that, that Lasso could ask for. But we don't really know about him as a person. So this gave you a purview into into his life and and that he is just a normal person like the rest of us. He has problems. He's trying to work through them. And it for me, it was an important episode because it makes Ted's problems seem normal again, right? That everyone has shit they go through. Beard's no different, even though his is just a little weirder, you know? Um but it, it was a really good one, and I think it. this episode is not made just in a vacuum by itself. I think this will manifest itself, whether it's uh, in, through the end of this season or into season three. Well, it's probably why he can't be the same type of tether for Ted's character that he is in a lot of the, you know, the first season, where... Ted can have an issue or problem, but Beard is really a calming force. You know, he can be a touchstone. And because Beard is also spiraling in his own way, he can't, doesn't have that bandwidth to be able to offer himself up to Ted in that emotional way that he maybe was previously. And that's why you see both of them kind of heading down this path because Ted also can't be available the same way in the symbiotic relationship that those two have. So... Um, I, I we skipped this on purpose because uh, Coach Beard had to get a ride home. Yep. And if you talk about on the pitch, living the dream being the theme for this one, um, there's only there's a there's only a bit of on field action in this one, and that was with the famous bar patrons. Uh, after the epic night, Beard gives the three musketeers instructions to follow, which leads them to what can only assume is a groundskeeper at the club who leads them down a dark, scary tunnel and ends up being onto the field. But hold up, Dan, how did they get a limo? Can you can you walk us through that fun turn of fate back at the uh, whatever Bones it was? Bones and honey, man. Bones and honey. Look, you know, you just uh, you kind of luck into it. You know, you get into a scenario where you can uh, pull things off and you know, play pool and I say maybe, pool sharks, man, hustle those Oxford guys. Yeah, Maybe they have some more street smarts than book smarts, but that's okay. And they get the job done and they get a chance to live out a little bit of a dream on uh, the pitch at Richmond. Well, okay. So then Nick, right. Hey, first off, my favorite line was wait, what's trig. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, these guys fall into, as they put it, 
like the most amount of money they've ever seen. And like, what do you do when you get rich? You get a limo, yeah. duh. Yeah. And again, we're at what four, four thirty in the morning. These guys are riding around in a limo. Well, yeah. One of the consistent tropes of the show is that these guys are just kind of, you know, not mega successful, not very wealthy. They go to the pub every time that they've been offered free drinks at the pub. They run up there all excited, like, oh man, this is the best day ever. And so, yeah, I mean, they're just. They're classic kind of dopes that they want to go get a limo and, and live the good life for a night, even if it's just for a little bit. And, you know, it's just it's funny because these three have become, you know, e- even in small cameos, Dan, they've become such a really g- good part of the show. Uh, and they, they break away. They get you into the fan perspective more than just the team perspective or the coach perspective. And, you know, when they pick up beard and they're ready to keep partying, it's it's a really kind of nice, you know, um, sorbet for the for the upcoming meal. Sorbet, the, the palate cleanser, as yeah. it were. Yeah, the it little, uh, um, you know, right before the, the mouche bouche to start it, you know, we could just go through all the different culinary options there. But, you know, the the meat and potatoes for these guys was getting onto the pitch, you know, getting to be snuck through a secret entryway and find themselves on a pitch. I mean, we, we've been all, we, we, the three of us have been on the pitch of our beloved Chelsea, our favorite team, and it is quite a transformative experience. Uh, maybe not in the same jumping around on it because a groundskeeper <laughs> and their grass is a sacred relationship unto itself, and you just don't mess with that. But, you know, I, I can see why they would be so excited. This had Field of Dreams vibes, Brandon, where it's like, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Um, this was <laughs> it's very like, where are we? Nelson Road. Like, get out there and do a thing. There's conveniently a football in the goal, and they start running around doing knee slides and stuff. It's it's funny. It's a, it's a good... As you should. Yeah, come on. Um, Yeah, so look, as, as you rightly wrote, I mean, they're at their hallowed ground. You know, I mean, like I said, as a football sport, I told my girlfriend, like, Look, there's like no better thing you can get as a fan besides like running around on the pitch, right? And uh, they have the floodlights on. You know, again, remember this is in a neighborhood, this stadium, so it's probably pretty disruptive to the locals. But they're out there uh, reliving some of the greatest moments, uh, making some of the greatest moments, and it seemed to resonate with a lot of fans. I think watching because again, like you know, Nick, you've always wanted to bring it back to like, do they have? A connection with the football culture over there like is this just an american show about it or is this connected and, and this they again nailed it uh because there's no bigger more exciting thing uh than what they got to do well it's 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 also kind of a uh it, earlier in this episode i think it's baz that goes you know professor so-and-so really taught us about the value of money this is a priceless experience like they, you know, you can't buy it. And the fact that Beard has now befriended them, had gone through heaven and hell with them in one night and gave them the experience of a lifetime. I mean, they're going to be forever on, on the Beard Lasso train from, from now on. It's good to see that these three, well, they don't get a lot of time, but they're consistently there, mm-hmm. which I think adds a lot of value to uh to the story so uh nick over to your crown and anchor pub trivia always undefeated never matched we have weird questions and observations what'd you have 
Uh, the first one is when they sat down with Beard at the table to start drinking at the beginning of the night. And Beard gives a very specific number of nights that one should stay in Las Vegas. Not too many, not too little. What is that number of, of nights? Um, it's very... And he's correct. And he's 100% correct. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Here's a sneaky one, and it, you probably wouldn't have noticed it unless you really paid attention. What was the name of the post-match show featuring Thierry Henry and Gary Lineker? It's it's one thing that uh, I'm going to talk to Dan about after because it's it's a thing that we've talked about before. Um, all right, so question three. Which famous celebrity was turned away famously from Bones and Honey, the, the nightclub thing that they get into? It's It's quite good. Uh, all right. Question four: What does Baz call Beard when they are playing pool? This is a a Harry Potter heads uh, throwback for you guys. So it's definitely not the name that he gave, but Baz doesn't know any better. So you know, it's a, it's a fun <laughs> moment. Uh, we've we've referenced number five, but Beard drops a significant item throughout the entire episode. What is it? And then number six is just a hilarious, fun pop culture thing. Who is the ass that Beard says could bring down the British monarchy itself? <laughs> it's, this uh, Again, this was better than I thought it was going to be. Didn't really know where it was going to go. Uh, but when you get quotes like that, I mean, come on. How can you not be entertained? Uh, any surprises uh, from this episode before we hit our, our winner of the episode, Dan? Any Anything from you? You know, I think it was interesting to see that Terry Henry could get a meal served where seemingly <laughs> there is no kitchen, but Gary Lineker cannot. And I look, I mean, just thinking about that, yeah. Terry Henry has a level of swag that Gary Lineker will never touch. It's just like no. they are different, they're in different galaxies. Like, that is just the, the separation there. But still, I mean, he's a popular ex-footballer in London. Like, I mean, you, you kind of think that he would be able to have a little bit of that pull. Maybe not for the full meal, but maybe, again, just a little, little something, something. Come on. Yeah, and again, again, you're right. Thierry goes, oh, they do goes, for oh me. they have food here? He goes, yeah, he goes, they do for me. And he tries to grab a, a fry and no dice. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh, Yeah, this is a consistent season one to season two thing. But um, in season one, Marcus Mumford covered You'll Never Walk Alone, the famous Liverpool uh, kind of pre-match amble. Uh, He also then covered Blue Moon, which is Manchester City's uh, pre- and post-match song. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a really nice cover of both of those songs, even though I'm not a fan of either one of those teams. I think it's kind of a cool thing that they've, they've really incorporated that into the football culture. So not a surprise, but maybe a prediction is that I'm starting to think that Ted will end up going back to the U.S. for family reasons. But Beard is looking more and more likely like he's going to stay in the U.K. with Jane. And I'm wondering, as we've already talked about, maybe some fractures in their coaching relationship. If like this is teeing that up, that like Beard's like, no, I'm good. I found my person. We're here. And Ted's going to have to go back for family reasons. And then that might be the end of their coaching relationship. So... Um, I just kind of, for whatever reason, had that lingering feeling because again, it's like when Ted wasn't there for him, Jane ended up being there for him. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Winner, winner, football dinner. Who won the episode? It's, I mean, come on. It has to be. Come on. It was, it's, it was a beard episode. It's all, so it's all beard, about him. Beard, 
by default wins, um, even though there's many funny uh, moments. Two greatest words in the English language. Wow, that is a Simpsons reference that clearly did not connect with either of you. Nope. Just want you to say it. Go ahead, Dan. Beard. Default. (laughs) I like that. Nice. So, uh, as it stands, Roy Kent is still running away with it. Um, and then everyone else is on one. Jamie, Sam, Higgins, Nate, Ted, and now Coach Beard uh, adding his name to the board. How many How many people do we have here? So, someone fl- would have to sweep at this point. Yep. Roy would ha- not win again, and someone would have to sweep the remainder to get go ahead. And I don't know how we're going to determine if you have a tie on the top of the table because that is just something we'll need to come up with a We'll have to have a a formula or something to really grade their wins. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a surprise um, that that Beard won this one. It's nice that he did get some some deserved screen time. Uh, He was also up for an Emmy for his role in season one, so uh, he's no... no, uh, uh, you know, kind of follow along here. He's, he's a really good actor and a really funny guy. Yeah. No, without a doubt. All right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode.